Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, White Sox fans. Oh, gosh, I don't care if you're sick of me. It's a third podcast in one day. It's number 91 at the Mothership, and it's a much happier podcast than just a couple ago, because guess what? Well, sure, it's the Christine, it's the Christina Erdo Emancipation po- Podcast, which also means, hey, <laughs> labor strife is over. There is baseball. The White Sox window of uh, contention, I guess, cracks open an inch bigger. Uh, hey, listen, good times. Uh, you get to have a happy podcast just 24 hours after our last, which wasn't maybe was a little less happy. Uh, joining me on this podcast, of course, as always, it's the entirety of the Indianapolis field office, Crystal O'Keefe and Super Joseph Reese's. And from Parts Unknown, along with Cat Silver, it's Zach Hayes. Hopefully, we will get a, a silver cameo. Uh, but if not, it's just this indication that the cat is happy. Baseball's back. And I guess let's just start out. <laughs> How are you feeling about the fact that we're actually going to have baseball uh, here and soon? Man, the catharsis is real. Um, it's not a perfect deal, obviously. It's not even a great deal by many standards. I think it's kind of telling that the executive committee of the MLBPA voted unanimously against it. But uh, it is not as bad as I would have thought a deal reached on March 10th would be. So I am allowing myself to exhale and get excited about free agency happening and uh, alternating getting mad at the White Sox for not actually giving me the opening day tickets I paid for and being happy that I will be able to go to opening day nonetheless. So a lot of feelings flying around here, but a lot of catharsis for sure. 
Yeah, like uh, Tommy said last night, um, past uh, past groups, past uh, player groups would have taken deals much, much worse, uh, would have taken even the deal as it stood last night. Uh, so the fact that the players held, I guess it's a minor success, but the fact that the players held out as long as they did, even though they did not take the recommendation of their executive committee, very telling. It's a good point, Zach. Uh, okay, in Indianapolis, how are you feeling? I'm just really relieved that I have something to write about again. Because um, that whole writer's block during an MLB lockout is is very real. So I'm happy that I can like work again. Um, and I'm happy that maybe the players got something that they wanted. And I'm happy to know that the four teams I hate the most were the four teams behind all of this madness. Um yeah, like I feel good. I'm really excited. I'm ready. Like just bring it on. I don't have to develop a personality outside of baseball anymore either. So that's huge relief. Joe, listen. In trouble. I'm, I'm sorry, Joe, that now you're going to have to shift on the fly from Knights math back to Sox math, but I'm going to guess that transition is going to be easy for you. Uh, how are you feeling? I'm yeah, very grateful. Uh, I with how slow progress has been these past few months and with how many kind of false alarms we've had um, lately as far as, oh, the sides are you know, getting close. Uh, and then there's always, you know, just always seemed to be something that would, you know, throw a wrench in there and would be, make it be like, okay, never mind. So, and we'll, it's actually going to probably take until July for a, a deal to be reached. Uh, um, like any small amounts of optimism were just quickly wiped away um, lately. And today I couldn't believe it when th- there were no more asterisks or nothing else that could you know get in the way of an agreement. And I'm very grateful that there will be baseball. And um, yeah, the lockout baseball Twitter, I think, is per- probably my least favorite kind um, of baseball Twitter. So I'm happy to get uh back into normal business and uh yes um can't believe it's over yeah i didn't pay any attention to the rob manfred probably good practice to not pay attention to rob ranford at all but i'm guessing he sort of flubbed his comments again because i know the one one takeaway at least was that he said something to the effect of uh and it's playing off of uh, what you're saying joe that, you know, a, a deal was going to get done when it was like right to get done as if somehow, again, if they had not started this in earnest at the moment of lockout or who knows prior to it, there was a little gap there between World Series and lockout uh, that somehow this, you know, this compressing uh, the season to a degree, uh, but still getting 162 games, uh, losing spring. Uh, and, and obviously this is going to throw players into some jeopardy. Uh, you know, I don't know how no matter how prepared they are to play uh, compressing spring training, you know, into a month when you're supposed to ramp up in a matter of maybe three weeks of games, uh, I'd say it's worrisome. Uh, you know, it's not condemning them all to injury, but it's, it's a concern. There's a reason why it's six weeks too long, but six weeks versus three. Uh, so the, uh, and uh, Crystal alluded to the fact that there were four teams who dissented uh, St. Louis Cardinals, Houston Astros, boy, Houston just never on the right side of history. Uh, although who knows, maybe they're holding out for the, the better deal that was going to come in July and the two New York teams, along with the entirety of the executive committee, only five of the eight being Scott Boras clients. So it's not even a Boras conspiracy. 
uh, fully. Uh, Zach, talk to me a little bit more, anybody else, uh, about that makeup, because you don't often see a union vote that so drastically undermines its leadership as an overwhelming vote, yes or no, that goes against a, un- a unanimous recommendation. Uh, it's pretty mind boggling. Yeah, it's it's I feel like we're still going to get some leaks in the coming hours and day or so that are going to give us more of the details of who exactly thought what. Uh, I, you know, it's not a coincidence that the four teams like, uh, you know, Andrew Miller is on the Cardinals. He runs the bargaining committee, Zach Britton and Garrett Cole of, you know, the Yankees are on the committee. Um, Zach, no, sorry, I said Zach Britton. Um Max Scherzer and Francisco Lindor are, are of the Mets, of course. And uh, there's somebody on the Astros who, who I'm missing. Uh, so it's not like super surprising that, that those four teams went against it because the players are generally going to follow the, the votes of, of, of their reps. Uh, they, <laughs> the talk right now is that the Mets in particular were not particularly happy about the higher, the highest luxury tax threshold. This new, I mean, they're literally calling it the Cohen tax. So <laughs> take that as, as you will. And it's also not a coincidence. Those are four contending teams who are probably going to continue to spend a lot of money in free agency. So, you know, there's some logic to it there. I think at the end of the day, I mean, I, I've said this on, podcasts before is that the the players want to play they are players they're competitive people uh and i think you know it's the executive committee the bargains their job to really think about the nitty-gritty and be like okay well we really want to get the cbt moved up another 10 million dollars because we have done all of this movement and the ownership side really hasn't and on a personal level i don't really disagree with that uh i think my uninformed opinion on what happens if they probably got close enough that the majority of the players said all right, we're, this is as far as we're realistically going to go while still being able to salvage a full season and playing. I mean, we've been watching unfold for the last two years, how disastrous it is to disastrous it is to to not have a full season. All the things that uh, get thrown off when you don't get when you, I mean, it's a rhythm, it's a whole rhythm thing. These players have been in rhythms for their entire careers that are based around a six month, 162 game season. So you throw these disruptions are not, to be understated, I think. So as much as there was a lot of solidarity, I think, I feel like a lot of the rank and file players, um, you know, they were just ready to go and whatever other ground was going to be made up uh, was probably not meaningful enough to them in the near term to justify losing a full another month of games, you know? Um, so that's my my uninformed outside observers take on what might have happened. Uh, it's, I don't know. I, I, I suspect we're going to be in, if not a similar, if not the same place, you know, three, four you know, revenues aren't going down. We're going to be talking about this again in the near future. So uh, I'm sure there will be more information to come out and more of these discussions will resurface, if not immediately, then somewhere down the line. It'll be interesting to know <clears throat> once we get, because uh, I assume we will, uh, we have t- total union uh, vote for past strike. So it'll be interesting to know how close some of those votes uh, were by no means. Obviously, was it uh, um, unanimous among players? Four teams didn't even go for it, even if they were a little executive committee heavy. It'd be interesting to know if there were teams that were maybe a, a little bit more split. Um, clearly, it wasn't something as unanimous as, as past strikes, even like going back to 1972. I want to say like 10 or 11 players voted against a strike. Um, and all teams, you know, voted for it. Um, 
Do uh, did the players uh, in talking uh, the prior podcast we ran in our uh, twelve podcast day uh, with Yasmani Grandal? Uh, I didn't touch on it um, too deeply, but did still take pains, even though he admitted and made it very clear he was outside of it all and wasn't really in that room, uh, so he couldn't speak with too much authority. But one thing he did not fail to mention was that it was important for him as a veteran player to leave the game in better shape for younger players than when he came in. Uh, the players did get some success in at least moving uh, minimum salary up. Uh, the international draft, which is something would seemingly compromise younger players, is have been at least you know punted. Uh, did the players, did veteran players uh, uh, do enough in their mission stated from the start to uh, take care of uh, younger players, the generation coming up? Oh, sorry, was that a question for me? I it can be a question for anyone. I mean, you can you can all just pat you can you I've, can't I've hit your plenty, pass button. I've done plenty of yapping about it, so you can call in for help at any time. Uh, well, let's move down. Uh, let's kick off with one issue here. Um, there's no game 163. Uh, I understand that's something that may be a uh, that may fall victim to the expanded playoffs. It seems like there's still a way to make that happen. It's an interesting uh, thing to have go away, especially when, I guess there are no other options but to say, to go to a football tie-breaking system, which whenever anything football is associated with my sport, I blanch. But uh, there's, no more, there's no more blackout game, uh, uh, folks. How are we feeling about that? Kind of sad about that because that's just such a spirited time. Everybody gets so excited. So I will miss that. And just wait once, you know, two CBAs down the road, one twenty-eight out of, out of 30 teams make the playoffs, then it's going to be like every playoff game is a blackout game. So, I mean, I, I'm pretty disappointed in that too, but that's the natural. I mean, that's what happens when half the league makes the playoffs, you know, it's going to be, it's damn near like a, like a winner go home tiebreaker, no matter, you know, you're going to get one either way. So so uh, I, I can't, I'm not very happy about that either. Yeah. I gotta say. I'd rather have just eight teams. hundred percent. I'm a little upset about the lack of a game 163 as well. It's, it's certainly far, far from a deal breaker, but yeah, maybe it's a little bit the, the nostalgia from 2008. I, I just really remember the excitement of having that, that's um, such a high leverage game like that and um, obviously created a lot of good memories for White Sox fans and uh, really any winner of a game 163, um, you know, can fans of any team who's had that experience can, can attest to that. And um, so I, I think that's a, a small um, downside to the, the new um, agreements. Um, but yeah, I, I won't be losing any sleep over it, but yeah, if it was all up to me, I would have kept that. We are not done with this topic. I will have an intriguing question for the panel after we take our break, but for a minute, we're going to let SB Nation sell you some stuff. So hang tight. We'll be back. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. 
Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. White Sox fans, I'm Brett Ballantini. Yes, that's me. Podcast number 91. It, actually, it only seems like they've all been compressed into today or during this lockout. But no, it is our celebration podcast. Or as I'm liking to, term, uh, liking to term it, the Christina Erdo Emancipation Podcast. She no longer has to do those insipid, painful, painstaking labor updates that always end up with on some sort of like unhappy face emoji at the very end. Uh, she finally got to write a triumphant labor story today, and I think she will put down her, her labor coverage pen, perhaps permanently. I think the drinking that she's doing right now instead of being on our podcast was pre-scheduled probably because she was looking ahead to like three or four months of labor uh, talks and writing, and now it can be celebration. So <laughs> good for her. Uh, tip of the cap to you. If your ears are burning, Christina, I'm sorry. I warned you. Uh, all right, coming right out of the break, right beforehand, we talked about, oh, game 163, and I, of course, am emphasizing the stupid-ass uh, football tiebreaker rules. Okay, so here's the scenario panel. <laughs> Old-school grizzled manager Tony La Russa, who will not run up scores and you cannot swing on 3-0. Well, hey, listen, I got news for you, Tony. In September, your run differential, or whatever the first tiebreaker will be, um, how good you are at um, – point after touchdown kicks i don't know what it's going to be but whatever it is may force you to oh i don't know run up a score so panel old school manager like tony larusa and there are others what are they going to do in that scenario are they going to swallow hard and let your mean mercedes swing 3-0 or are they going to just play the game the right way and perhaps fall short in the playoffs or lose a home field advantage I am so worried, not so much about other managers, more just Tony, because I I feel like he's got this thing going with Jerry where if they just do okay and win games that season, then that's more job security and it doesn't really matter because people paid to go to games anyway. So I'm a little scared that he's not going to run up the game But then I go back to, I think, what Colleen said, where she's not totally sure that he's actually running the game and it's just people doing his work for him that will let that happen. So I'm just going to hope he passes the torch to someone else and Sabi Zavala is (laughs) hitting a grand slam on a 3-0 pitch or something. God forbid he hit three homers in a game and lose though, right? Uh, <laughs> um, it's having just finished shit talking the new playoff format. This actually is something that I think probably maybe benefits the uh, somewhat apathetic tendencies of Tony and Sox management. Because, and tell me if I'm wrong, because it seems like the details of this are like changing with every report. But my understanding is that with this new playoff format, the top two division winners get buys. Uh, so this is actually a circumstance where maybe like if we had had this last year, then maybe they don't, you know, 
tank September, basically, because the difference between that, you know, where Houston ended up and where the Sox ended up isn't just an extra home game in the division series. It's going straight to the second round. So there's a part of me that is hoping that this maybe actually incentivizes the team to try to put themselves uh, over the top to really hit the gas and go to that next level because coasting to a division championship, like it's nice. You'll still get there, but it does not, you can't under this new system, you're going to be at a much larger risk for going three and out to a much more embarrassing team than the Houston Astros. If you follow the same trail that you did this past year. So maybe a little bit to be hopeful of, I don't know. So Joe, does Tony let your mean swing three Oh now? I hope so. Um, I, he should. And even, you know, regardless of any changes to the rules, um, it, it's the right decision, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm still skeptical. I, I would have to see it to believe it. Just with how the whole thing played out last year, I don't think he learned anything from it. And um, yeah, the way he just apologized on your means behalf, um, that yeah, it was, it was just very, very um, unfortunate. And yeah, it was yeah, that was my least favorite Larusa moment. I and I don't think he really felt um, that it was in you know. I don't think he really regrets it. Um, I, I, I hope to be proven wrong, but I don't believe that he, I, I feel like his, his viewpoint on this is just too set in stone. Yeah. Tony Russo, sorry to, sorry to drag it up, but Tony Russo doesn't seem to regret like getting behind the wheel after drinking. So I don't think Tony regrets anything. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that. Okay. Here's something that might offset the scenario just presented. And thank you for the colorful answers. Uh, to the whole running up the score or, you know, when a uh, schedule can be so uneven that the White Sox get the feast, oh, let's say a team like the White Sox gets the feast on a division like, say, the AL Central, it's going to create some some real animosity among all those other divisions when it's like, hey, wait, you got to play the Royals 19 times again this year? Well, guess what? As of next year, not 2022, uh, it sounds like in this agreement, it's going to be a much flatter, again, very NFL uh, schedule uh, much flatter where White Sox will not be playing nearly the number of games. I think it's going to be cut virtually in half because now instead of just one interleague series uh, potentially being as short as the two games, I think they are deciding that it's pretty much going to be at least minimum of six games against every team. Uh, it helps showcase players. Obviously, NL cities are going to get to see uh, all the great White Sox stars instead of only seeing them every couple of years or every three, four, five years. Uh, and that will have an effect of sort of leveling the playoff uh, playing field because you're still going to have a little bit. It's going to be unbalanced enough. You know, there's still going to be divisional rivalries, but it's not going to be nearly the same as it is now. And the White Sox are not going to be able to coast as they did last year and put us all and give us all a false sense of security going into the playoffs because the White Sox were just one win behind the Astros and they didn't play like they're just win, one win behind the Astros in the playoffs uh the leveling beginning not in 2022 but 2023 uh feelings and thoughts about that uh it's a change that's been discussed for a long time uh but uh we're back to it now so excuse my lockout brain fry and realizing that i just completely misinterpreted the last question too but uh um i you know i'm i'm okay with this one it's easy for us to complain about it because we do play in 
Sox do play in the worst division in, in baseball. But, uh, part of the, you know, the big issue that I have right now with the CBA that we've just agreed to is that I don't really think it does that much to address tanking, uh, and a lot of, you know, service time manipulation and a lot of uh, other things, which I, I guess kind of gets at the question you asked earlier about, you know, whether we, the young players got the deal they deserved. I'm, I'm not sure too many, too much of the status quo is going to change there. So, you know, as long as you've got teams like the Orioles, uh, who are, you know, happy to barely break 50 wins and there's going to be a few teams like that every year for the foreseeable future, it seems like I, I, I think you have to have a balanced schedule because you just can't, I mean, I would be pretty unhappy as a White Sox fan if the difference between, you know, a bye and that third division team is like the Yankees or the Blue Jays getting to play a 50-win Orioles team 18 times a year. Uh, and I would expect the same to be true of, of other fan bases and teams with the AL Central. So uh, it's let's enjoy one last year of, of <laughs> having the benefit of uh, a lot of Royals and Tigers baseball in our in our future. <laughs> hey, by the time they get good, we won't have to play them as much. See, so okay, maybe it works out. Maybe Jerry still does have an influence. Uh, Indianapolis, how are you feeling about a little bit of a flatter schedule? Does seem fair, even though right now it benefits us. It does seem fair, and it also will set us up for less of a sucker punch come October. Yes, I like it. It's a yeah. I, I think with it, kind of yeah, the status quo prior to. Um, that change basically fans just had you know one opportunity you know one series per year to see you know Shohei Otani and Mike Trout at guaranteed right field and if you know your schedule didn't line up for it or you know it was you know in the middle of the week or whatever the case may be then that's was pretty much you know the the one opportunity and you know it's it's much less likely to happen to where you know you can't see them at all um, with a more balanced schedule and um, I, I think having nearly half of like a team when a team has nearly half of its entire schedule against you know four teams out of the twenty nine opponents yeah I, I'm all for you know div, um, divisions being important but I think that was a little bit excessive so I'm I'm happy that they're balancing it out more. Let me jump in and say, I guess it's more, it really is more an NBA schedule quirk than NFL. NFL doesn't play every team, of course, but uh, NBA does at least a home and home with all the teams in the other conference. Uh, and uh, Crystal, let me lead you uh, in your answer. Um, we hear a lot of talk about, oh, I'm over interleague play, or some people are even over like the Crosstown series. You know, I'm not because many years, it's the only thing to be excited about. But, uh, you know, this, I mean, this makes it a moot point. You're playing more National League than ever. Uh, we're pretty much, I mean, it's here. Uh, we we got to suck it up, and uh, like it or not, uh, we're playing a lot of National League uh, pretty much from here on in, beginning twenty twenty three. Yeah, um, I don't know. I agree. I like it too. So, um, I do still think those games matter. Like you said, I still think the crosstown, whatever it's called now, is fun. But at the same time, there are players that I don't ever get to see. And I hate staying up for late games when I'm on the Eastern time zone. So I think it'll be, I think it'll be good. And we can stay out of losing to the Tigers when they are actually really good, because I just know that they're going to be good soon. Um, So yeah, I love it. And I love not facing the twins and the Royals every other week. 
Detroit Tigers fans are clamoring for Carlos Rodon, it seems. They might not be the only fan base or the only team, but it's it's going to hurt if he jumps to the Tigers and his arm is actually still attached. Uh, you know, again, those experts out there who tell us to shut up about not extending that, uh, that uh, qualifying offer have said, well, we don't know how hurt he is. Well, we better hope his arm is actually detached if he goes uh, to Detroit because I do not want to see him punish the White Sox as early as uh, next season. That will be rather depressing. All right. How about a frivolous uh, aspect of this? Oh, there's probably plenty of frivolity involved with this uh, new CBA. But one is uh, among the many things that now Major League Baseball just gets sort of run roughshod over the players in the game, you know, including like pushing rules through in 45 days or whatever. We might have those big bases and pitch clocks and all that. Not all that's bad. But one thing that probably we can agree maybe isn't so great, even though maybe, you know, it's only the old men and women out there are going to get all fired up about it is ads on the jerseys. We already have the swoosh. So I guess it's already sort of been broken, but there are going to be ads on the jerseys. I'm not sure if there's a limit. I'm not sure if it's going to just be a cutesy thing like the NBA or WNBA or these other leagues, or there's just like one patch, no matter how weird it is, uh, leave it to baseball. They'll probably, you know, emblazon the entire back. Pittsburgh is probably going to sell 20 if they can. Uh, how are we feeling about uh, McDonald's advertising on, say, Chicago White Sox jerseys? I just want NASCAR-type, like their jumpsuits they have. Just load them all up. Just <laughs> NASCAR baseball. No, if you're going to go, just go crazy. They, they <laughs> don't bother, because, I mean, I watch basketball now because there was nothing else to do. They don't bother me when I'm watching the bowls, like it, it doesn't affect me at all. So I really just don't care. Do what you got to do to make money. Yeah. Cause there's not enough of it, <laughs> but yes, fair point. I mean, okay. Yeah. McDonald's wants to pay the, you know, the bulls or the socks or whatever. Sure. Uh, Joe, Zach, how are you feeling about ads on your jerseys? I don't have a strong opinion on it. I, I, I say go for it. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, if it's a revenue generator, um, by all means, go ahead. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever works. Um, and especially go ahead if it'll um, make them stop crying poor for the next time negotiations <laughs> come around. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's nice. That's a nice condition, but they're not going to agree to that. Right. Of uh, course, that's very wishful thinking. But yeah, I don't have an issue with it. <laughs> let's have a follow up podcast when one of you orders an authentic jersey and then have to take the uh, what do you call it, the needle stitcher or whatever to undo the McDonald's ad from your jersey. And then you've got some weird out M outline. Sorry, McDonald's, I'm picking on you, but you know, whatever. You took a while to get out of Russia. So I guess you're going to be the one I'm going to ding you. Uh, maybe we just go full body wraps like those NASCARs. You just do the full, like the full car wrap, just the full body wrap, you know, make it transparent enough. You can still see like white socks or South side or Smith side, uh, you know, you still do that, but you know, Hey, like, like, <laughs> like Crystal says, five, 10, 20 ads. Does it matter at a certain point? Uh, Zach, you, you, you going to purist on this or, uh, uh, you're like, yeah, whatever. I mean, there is, we do have a storied history of, of using sharp objects to make alterations to white Sox jerseys <laughs> in, in this organization. So, um, yeah, I have a lot of real world problems and getting all up in a tizzy about, uh, ad patches on uniforms ranks pretty low on, <laughs> on my priority list there. I'm a purist in many senses, but, um, you know, there are just, I don't know. 
I got to pay taxes. I'm an adult. I have a job. I don't have time to really get upset about that. <laughs> there are too many other things within baseball itself that are more worth getting annoyed over than I'll put it this way. Like if you're getting really upset and annoyed by the Jersey patches, like I don't love them. It would be cool if they didn't need to have them. Uh, but if you're, I don't know, investing, I guess kudos to anyone who does have a lot of a little enough else going on to really be invested in being upset about that. Cause it's a, even within the grand scheme of baseball itself, uh, notwithstanding the small part that baseball plays, uh, in our lives writ large, there are bigger problems. You know, it's, if I were to change a lot of things about, there's a lot of things that I would change about baseball before I even got around to reversing that. So long answer, uh, I, I really couldn't, uh, eh, you know, okay. no, I, mean, I don't care. <laughs> you can, you all can feel free just undermine every point I'm trying to make with this podcast and every subject we could, Hey, they're thrown out there to be batted down, but based on the amount of furor that has been created by people not wanting a new era logo on the side of their caps. Uh, I guess we're going to see a lot of people shaking their tiny fists in the air when they get their Jersey and it does have, Sorry, McDonald's does have McDonald's emblazoned on it. They're gonna maybe they'll do videos. They'll do a YouTube that shows them taking it off, spitting angrily as they're doing it. I mean, if it gets us like free chicken nuggets as a sponsorship thing, like you know, score five runs in the fifth, then then I'll take that ten times out of ten. Free free six piece with six runs in the sixth. There you go. There's your sponsorship idea. You're welcome. Guys, Where are my rooms? Brooks free. Be a little nicer to us, White Sox. We're giving you ideas free every podcast, and we know you're listening. Okay, speaking of listening, hey, White Sox, perk your ears up. I think I already know one vote. I'm not going to take Zach in the bottom corner to block on this one, but okay, right field choice panel. We've got to get a right fielder, right? <laughs> we can't just wait for Oscar Colas, correct? Uh, virtually similar price, knowing that the probably gonna, one guy's going to take a little bit more commitment years-wise than the other. Who are we taking? Conforto and this, this, this furor that seems to be building for Chris Bryant. Who are we taking for right field? Is it going to be Chris Bryant? It's Bryant! <laughs> I was going to say, I can't take Crystal to block in the top corner because I know what her vote is. Joe, you're the, <laughs> you're the tiebreaker. Who are you going for? Oh, my. I mean... I'd be very happy with either one, but yeah, I, I would, if forced to pick one of them, I would, I would go with Chris Bryant as well. Um, I mean, Bryant's track record is you know, a little bit more promising, um, but yeah, I mean, if really, if they were to wind up with either one of those players, I would, I would be very happy. Probably would do a dance. Um, in fact, um, not, not expecting them to land either one, but yeah. Um, it's going to be under Vaughn, but. You know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Joe, you tried to pump, but I am going to count your vote. So come get your boy, uh, Zach. Uh, I assume it is Conforto. Yeah. I mean, I, Chris Bryant is a better player than Conforto is. I don't think you're going to get a lot of disagreement there necessarily. I would rather have, uh, you know, as knowing Jerry is how he is. Um, I would rather knowing what the needs of the team are, I would take Conforto at the contract he's likely to get over Bryant at the contract that he's likely to get. But, and I personally think Conforto is just a really good fit in terms of his approach and uh, being a lefty uh, to what brings a lot of balance to the lineup in some ways that Chris Bryant does the same, but also doesn't in others. But like Joe said, overall, if either one of those guys ends up on the south side next year i will you won't hear a peep of complaint from me so uh it's not you know if they sign if they sign one i'm not going to be like oh 
Yeah. Damn, I yeah. really wanted Conforto. Quit Chris spending Bryant money, instead. White Sox. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, okay. So that's yeah. That's we, that's that's an easy choice. If we turn it to a position of perhaps even greater need, because it does seem like there's less pipeline help, it would be second base. Um, but it doesn't seem like there's nearly uh, much out there that is going to require a Rick Hahn to take not just three days, but he's going to have like the full three weeks. I think you'd want to have your trade settled by by opening day, if you could, um, or whenever it freezes, I don't even know. Maybe it is only three days. At any rate, he's going to have to spin a deal if he's going to try to patch up at second. Is there any confidence that that is going to be a priority, or is he going to really zag when we think he's going to zig and actually maybe get a starting pitcher? Are we just going to be angry in a few days and have a podcast where we're back to being uh, gruntled again? We're going to be angry. (laughs) I don't have any confidence in that one. What, what, maybe, what you... maybe he can afford it more if the White Sox get Skull Tunes to sponsor. Um, I hear they're really cool crypto NFT people that hack accounts. <laughs> so maybe if we get that money, we can afford a little bit more. But I don't have any confidence right now. Do we think that the uh, roster, uh, guys, do we think the roster is... Um, set where it's at. Do we think there are significant moves still to be had with the White Sox, uh, trade or free agent wise? I I feel like there's a better chance than not that that second base hole gets filled via trade. I don't know if it's going to be anything super exciting. Um, You know, the options, you know, Cesar Hernandez might be the best free agent second baseman available right now. And uh, I mean, there's a very large part of me that is, there's there's a lot of precedent towards them saying you know what we've got layer he'll be he'll be fine uh i given but also given what the the roster crunch looks like on the 40 man side you have guys like like mike rodolfo who needs to go somewhere and it's probably not going to be on the major league roster sorry tommy um i you know if i wouldn't be surprised if you know we get a trade for somebody like i don't know who's luke's guy like joey wendell or um or you know, Kevin Newman from Pittsburgh or someone that's probably going to be acceptable if entirely unexciting. I don't know. I'm not confident we're going to see any splashes there, though. Luke Skysmart. Kevin Newman, though. I Yes, that hasn't being able to do better hasn't exactly stopped them from not doing better in the past, though. <laughs> I hate to say. I might take Garcia at second base, opening day over Newman for what it's worth. Well, uh, uh, the Washington Nationals are going to be angry that Zach Hayes has relegated them to apparently uh, International <laughs> League because they are the new team for Cesar Hernandez. Yes. We have no Maybe. chance at him. No it's only because I said that him. before I scrolled down to the number 28th ranking on the Fangraph's <laughs> second base depth charts. So the point is still kind of made. If you oh, yeah, me. it's made. It is made. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a happier podcast we had here with uh, laughs that were real and not just sort of like uh, embittered as 24 hours ago. This wraps up podcast number 91. Hey, listen, we're going to get angry, I'm sure, just in a matter of a few days once the deal isn't made. So, you know, if you're thinking something's gone crazy with all of us, no, not really. We'll be back. We'll be back in the way you're used to hearing us probably sooner than you want us to be. But until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. And thank you for sticking with Southside Sox through this ridiculous lockout. We're back now.